RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchups in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Yeah, we're off and rolling with another September edition of the show. Underdogs flying every which direction. I am your somewhat capable host. He is a senior handicapper and writer from VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rogers. Hello again, my friend. We are beginning to learn more, especially about the NFL a couple of weeks in. Learning a lot more about college football, for sure. I don't know how much smarter it's going to make us with our picks, but it's good to have you here again with me, sir. Yeah, it is good to be back and bounce back from the 0-3, won two of the three last week, so that was nice. You know, it's always nice to have a winning week, but uh, starting to learn more with all these teams. I mean, I think in the NFL, you know, I always believe that, you know, week two, just don't believe what you saw in week one, and some of that was true. So basically, the NFL rule is whatever you saw last week, don't worry about it. It means nothing this <laughs> Trying to build on it from week to week. And you had Purdue in the Saturday game, barely able to cover there with Missouri. Then you also had the Detroit Lions, who made a game of it in San Francisco and hung in. I ended up with two uh, college underdogs coming through. Syracuse, the outright win over Florida State. We'll talk about the Knowles in a second. Those are your Knowles. And TCU, which had Ohio State on the ropes, only to give up the lead and give up really the whole game in about a three-minute span of clock time with a pick six and a block punt. Ohio State came roaring back to beat them, but did not beat them by 13, only beat them by 12. We'll take the win uh, there on, uh, on that one. And then I don't know what I was thinking. I thought Arizona would have a chance to hang in with the Rams, even with the large spread. One key uh, I've noticed throughout my my years of watching, analyzing, and broadcasting football is, Kevin, if you don't cross midfield for the entire game, you have very little chance of A, scoring, and B, winning. That's a very profound thing that I've come up with that the Cardinals put into practice last week against the Rams. Do you follow me on that theory about uh, about crossing midfield? That offense is pretty bad. I mean, that's... Uh... <laughs> That, that offense is, is pretty poor, and I understand, you know, you say, well, you know, against Washington week one, you know, they struggled, okay, and, and understandably the Rams are an excellent team, and, and, and they're now getting into that elite status, but my God, I mean, I, I just always believe in, you know what, if you want to wait on your rookie quarterback for a bit because you have someone else capable, like in Cleveland with, with Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor, like if you want to go with that, I understand but my goodness, look what happened in Buffalo with Nathan Peterman, and they pulled the plug on him. you got to do the same with Sam Bradford. If Josh Rosen's healthy, you got to throw him in there. I mean, there's no reason that Sam Bradford should still be playing. There really isn't. I mean, what are, you, what are you throwing him out there for? And by the way, that guy is the smartest guy of all of us because you know what? He made so much money, and he has been a terrible NFL quarterback. Yeah, he's got guaranteed money coming out of his ears, but their offense did not run a play in Ram territory until the final minute of the game. That's how bad they were last week, to your point. We'll talk more about the NFL a little bit later on with some predictions. Want to set the table for the rest of the show. We've got a couple of guests coming up. We are going to talk college football with Kevin here in this opening segment and make some underdog predictions. Again, I have hit six of them over the last three weeks. 
Kevin was able to get one a week ago, so pay attention to these underdog picks coming up in college. Uh, Later on, Vince Ferraro will be with me. Vince is a midday host on over-the-air radio station WNML in Knoxville, the sports animal where they are going crazy, Kevin, for Tennessee and Florida coming to Knoxville in primetime on Saturday night. I'll talk with him about that game and a little perspective on Tennessee trying to get better, the swagger that this uh, rivalry game used to have that it doesn't have anymore. Uh, so I'll talk with Vince later on in the show. Also with us from CBS Sports Network, their late night host, Zach Gelb, will be here to talk some NFL football with me. Zach's got some great insight out of the New York market doing a national show. So I look forward to talking a little pro football with him. He may even sneak in an underdog prediction uh, as well. And then Kevin will be back to talk some underdogs in a little bit. Um, all right, so let's delve into the college football. A, Urban Meyer is now back at Ohio State. How impressed were you with that comeback against TCU when they were on the ropes last Saturday night? A, a quick thought or two about the Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, that was a really good win. Basically a road game for them going to Jerry's world to beat a good TCU team. And now all is right because Urban Meyer's back at Ohio State, so everything's fine again. Yeah, apparently everything is all uh, cleaned up on that front. They're all good. Uh, they're there for that. Um, speaking of Texas, good win for the Longhorns as they uh, they throttled USC. And I'm hearing there's some discontent now with Clay Helton and the Trojans out in the Pac-12. What is up, though? I, I did have Syracuse last week at the Carrier Dome. Is Florida State going to get this turned around in the short term with Willie Taggart? I know they have a winnable game with Northern Illinois, although some years Northern Illinois is pretty good. Uh, they have a winnable game this week at home, but uh, the Knowles cannot be this bad. With Francois, quarterback, Cam Akers is a fantastic running back. They haven't been able to block anybody. Kevin, what's going on with the Seminoles? You know, I, I believe that if your record is 1-2 and two and you lost to Virginia Tech 42-35 to and you lost to Syracuse 35-31, to there's some excitement. Okay, you're 1-2, and two, get some things turned around. They have to get the entire thing turned around. They look absolutely terrible. They barely beat Samford in week two. The offense is non-existent. I just don't, can't understand how it takes this long to get the offense going with the talented players that they have unless they're not the right guys for the system. Yeah. And, you know, people can say all the time, well, Willie Taggart was 2-10 and ten at USF his first year and at Oregon. I mean, he was only there for a year. But come on, at Florida State, especially you know, with them being a big-time program and a lot more people following them, it's going to be noticeable. And it's just been really poor. And you know what? Looking at their conference schedule, I don't know when they're going to get a win, honestly. They go to Louisville. They go to Miami coming up. Uh, they get Clemson. I really don't know. And it's one of those things of you know, being dramatic or whatever. But I don't see wins on the schedule. And even Northern Illinois, they should beat Northern Illinois, but I'm not sure if they're going to beat Northern Illinois just because it's been this bad. And I'm not about fire him now. That's stupid. Like that, You're not going to do that three games into the season. But you got to find a way to turn this thing around. I don't know when it's going to be, but right now it's not looking good. The inability to score and really the inability to block is a big part of that. So we'll see if Florida State can get that turned around. Uh, starting this week with that home game. You're right. Although in the ACC, they probably do have a couple of uh, winnable games that are there, too. There, there is some talent, but there's some disarray, and it's up to Willie Taggart to figure it out. They've, they're giving him a bunch of money and brought him in. The Knowles, by the way, are double-digit favorites over the Northern Illinois Huskies. 
I don't think that either one of us, though, just from the sounds of it, will be taking them on Three Dog Thursday. So that kind of segues into the predictions uh, here. Uh, where do you want to go first? I believe you're going to go two college underdogs. Give me one right away, Kevin. All right. I'll start with Louisiana Tech. They're playing LSU, and LSU is laying nearly three touchdowns in this game, and I think everyone would know where I'm going with this, that – yeah, I'm going to buy into the whole letdown theory with them coming off the victory over Auburn, second straight year they beat in Auburn. And, yeah, LSU has gotten to the top ten. They're a really good team. And because I go against them doesn't mean I don't think they're good. I just think that this week is not the spot for them. Louisiana Tech is an interesting team. They were 6-6 six and six last year. They had four losses by a touchdown or less. So they were right there. And is that saying that they can't close – whatever the case may be, is that they were there. And even if you get two of those games, you're still an 8-4 and four team. So point is that Louisiana Tech at 2-0, and oh, this game is so much bigger for Louisiana Tech than it is for LSU. Obviously, LSU can't lose it. But for Louisiana Tech, you know, it, it's, you're the little guy in that state that LSU dominates. This is your chance to go against them. They're coming off this big win. Also, LSU hasn't been a great home favorite against non-conference teams. They barely covered again, or they they didn't cover, excuse me, in a close win over Syracuse last year. They lost outright to Troy. They didn't cover in their home opener this season as a huge favorite. So I just look at this as I think Louisiana Tech can definitely hang with LSU and stay within the number. The fighting Skip Holtzes out of Conference USA. We'll see what they have for this matchup on uh, on Saturday in Tiger Stadium with this one coming up. Kevin, while we have a moment, let's tell everybody about our friends at MyBookie. They are proud sponsors here on Three Dog Thursday. And look, when we're talking underdogs here, it's not just important who you're betting on, it's just important on who you're betting with. And so you want to utilize MyBookie.com. They've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site is easy to use. So uh, you can get involved with my bookie, and with my bookie, you win and they pay quickly. No hassles, and there's a great incentive for you to be involved as well. They're going to match your deposit dollar for dollar if you enter our promo code, which is three dog for three dog Thursday. Again, use that promo code three dog, and my bookie will initially match your initial deposit dollar for dollar, whether it's 25 bucks or 250 bucks, whatever you want to use. Again, go to my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E, my bookie, and use that promo code, the number three and D O G, when creating your account and claiming your bonus prize. So, again, when watching all these games unfold this weekend and going after those underdogs, putting your money down on them, you play, you win, you get paid with my bookie and the promo code. Three dogs. So, Kevin, you have that underdog, Louisiana Tech. I am going to go with a serious underdog, and I know you're going to roll your eyes that I am going up against. This is kind of like me going up against the Rams at the Coliseum last week with the Cardinals. I like an ACC game involving the Clemson Tigers, who are heavy favorites against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, a 16.5-point underdog at home at Grant Field in this ACC matchup. I saw the Yellow Jackets against USF back a couple of weeks ago, and I was surprised that they were a favorite in that game with the Bulls, and the Bulls ended up beating them in a high-scoring 49-38 game. But I was impressed with the quarterback, uh, Taquan Marshall, who's continued to run the ball well as an option quarterback. Clemson played the game with Georgia Southern at home last week. They had to move the game up because of 
Hurricane Florence, and uh, again, uh, football is really secondary to the flooding and the and the damage that was done to in in particular eastern North Carolina from Hurricane Florence and and the South Carolina coast as well of the Atlantic Ocean. So Clemson moved the game up. They they were very workmanlike. They covered. They won. But it was kind of like a blah a whole a whole home game. Now this is on the road at the ACC opponent. And I think Georgia Tech with that triple option can hang in. I do not know that they will win this game, but I think it will be a lot closer than most believe. Give me Yellow Jackets plus the 16.5 to run it some, and maybe Clemson is not taking this. Um, and they, they've beaten Georgia Tech five years in a row in the series. So there's every reason why Clemson would you know look past this as an easy win. Heavily favored. I think Georgia Tech's going to hang in. Kevin Rogers, I don't know if you want to try to shy me away from that, but I like the Yellow Jackets in this particular matchup. I, I see all the points. I mean, they're coming off two road losses where they should have beat USF. They were terrible against Pitt last week. And now they're getting a ton of points at home. And we've seen some home underdogs this year yep. after they were road favorites, went outright. Navy did that against Memphis. And uh, there was another game I'm, I'm off the top of my head I can't remember. But when you look at Clemson, obviously, we know how great they are. I mean, you just hope that Georgia Tech, if they can just get their running game together, they obviously have a chance to, to hang in this. And, and the one thing about Clemson is we've seen them fail before on the road in the conference as a heavy favorite. We saw it last year at Syracuse, how they lost as three-touchdown favorites. So, I mean, yes, I, I – could see Georgia Tech covering, but I'm going to stay away from it. I understand on that, and they're still playing both quarterbacks, are the Clemson Tigers. And yes, on the point about the home favorites, I've been riding those. I had Hawaii all the way back in week one, Labor Day weekend, as a home favorite with Navy. They came through. I had both USF and Arizona State in week two. They won the games outright as home underdogs. And then also Syracuse last week with Florida State. I don't think Georgia Tech will win the game. I'm saying that again. I just think it'll be hard fought for Clemson. I'll take the 16 and a half. All right, so you're up for a second college underdog. What do you like? Where are you going to go and why? I'm going to go with the Kansas State Wildcats, where Bill Snyder has been the coach there for 257 years and counting. (laughs) And they are going to West Virginia this week. And this is interesting because K-State, they're actually a pretty good road underdog. They've covered five of their last seven in this spot, and they've been very competitive against West Virginia the last few years. The last four meetings have been decided by six points or less. So they've hung with this West Virginia team that can score up and down the field. And West Virginia was off last week, so they have the benefit of getting the bye week. But Kansas State was able to bounce back after they were blown up by Mississippi State. So at least they got a little bit of confidence now uh, going into Morgantown this week. But, you know, I just look at K-State that just getting this many points, it's hard to pass up considering their history against West Virginia. Yeah, it is interesting because, again, Hurricane Florence canceled that NC State out-of-conference game hosting West Virginia, which they were going to be all hyped up, all all uh, psyched for the Mountaineers coming in with Will Greer uh, and company. And so that game was never played, so it's a, an unexpected bye week for West Virginia to now play host to K-State. So you've got a Big 12 showdown game there, and you're taking a lot of points with the Wildcats. The one thing we know about Snyder's teams typically is they do not beat themselves. You will not see them commit silly penalties. You will not see them commit turnovers. They frequently, even in these conference games on the road, will play a game, Kevin, with one penalty or no penalties. One or no turnovers with one or no penalties. So I fully expect they are sound. They are well coached. We'll see. We'll see if that is the case for your Big 12 matchup. And I'm going to go, speaking of those home underdogs, I'm going to the big primetime matchup in the Pac-12. 
Uh, we were talking about Willie Taggart leaving Oregon. Well, the Ducks have Mario Cristobal, who you and I are familiar with. Cristobal, the former FIU head coach down in South Florida, Florida International. Former Alabama assistant under Nick Saban had been with Willie Taggart last year as an offensive assistant, an offensive line coach. They gave him the head coaching job. They're off to the modest 3-0 and start. And Justin Herbert, the quarterback, he may be the best college quarterback, or he's certainly the best college quarterback that doesn't get a lot of attention whether you're talking about uh, Greer at uh, West Virginia, Tua at Alabama, Jake Fromm at, at Georgia, kind of on and on down the list with these different quarterbacks. Not a lot of people east of the Mississippi River, let's say, know about Justin Herbert and the job he's doing. They're playing at home with Stanford. Bryce Love did not play in the easy out-of-conference win last week. Was it an injury? Was it an academic thing? There's been a lot of speculation that it may have been an academic thing, but of course his academics weren't going to keep him from playing Oregon. We expect that he is going to play there. This is going to be a knockdown, drag-out matchup. David Shaw, tremendous coach. Cristobal, taste of the rivalry here. I like Oregon at home. I know ESPN's College Game Day pregame show will be there. It's the big primetime game. Uh, do you have a thought on this Pac-12 matchup here? I'm going with the Ducks. What You got a thought at all on this one? No, not a lot of thoughts. I mean, Stanford's already 1-0 in the conference, beating USC, so obviously they, you know, they've already got that in their pocket. But, yeah, I mean, it should be a pretty good game up there. Yeah, we'll see what happens in Eugene with the loud atmosphere at Outson Stadium. And again, Cristobal has embraced the whole situation. Uh, he has joked, Kevin, I don't know if you've heard uh, him joke on a couple of occasions, that when he was playing at FIU, they were so low budget, they were having to take buses to play teams in-state instead of chartering on aircraft. There, there were times where they were having to come up with the money, having to fundraise with the money for hotel, for food, with that kind of thing. Now he's at Oregon where they've got Millions of dollars in a green river of money flowing every which direction in a Pac-12 program. So he's a great success story, living it up. And let's see if Oregon continues to rock along in this Pac-12 matchup with uh, with Ducks and Stanford. Uh, that's the big one coming up. Uh, a couple of other games that are kind of uh, of note. Nebraska, which uh, has, has stubbed their toe big time at the start of the Scott Frost era going to Michigan for that matchup. Uh, so there's going to be some interest. It's an, uh, it's a Big Ten game there and, and the, you you wonder if Nebraska can get to six wins and be bowl eligible this season for that team. And, uh, you know, a couple of other games of no Georgia at Missouri. I know you went against Missouri in the Purdue-Missouri game last week. Georgia on the road. Will Missouri give them any kind of a test? That's an early game in the SEC. And Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M getting 27 points at Alabama. That's the CBS national TV game. Is that game going to be the runaway that everybody thinks it's going to be and Alabama's going to blow them out like they did against LSU? Or, I'm sorry, like they did against uh, Ole Miss last week? Is Alabama just going to freight train Jimbo and drop him the 2-2? Two and two? What do you think? I mean, after seeing what happened last week, I mean, it's hard to say that they're going to struggle, you know, but at the same time, I think A&M can hang with them a little bit. I mean, hang, I don't know what hanging means, but, I mean, what they did to Ole Miss last week was just ridiculous. You know, for them to... to drop that many points and just score at will, that that just makes it so much scarier with this Alabama team that it's not just running the ball defensively if they're, you know, they can get it down the field and they can score a bunch of points. So it's very scary watching this Alabama team. Yeah, they were they were up twenty eight nothing in the first quarter last week. Of course, A and M, and you know this, Kevin, they played Clemson very tough. That was at home, so that's the hope, but 
Uh, Kellen Mond at quarterback playing in Tuscaloosa here. Uh, Good luck. Good luck with that one on Saturday. Good luck with our college underdogs. Kevin, stand by. We've got more on the way. We'll continue the college football theme. Vince Ferrara will be with me from the Sports Animal, the radio station in Knoxville. Vince has got great insight. He's been in that Knoxville market for around a decade or so, uh, talking up uh, the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, the Vols hosting the Florida Gators in SEC East action. He's coming up straight ahead as Three Dog Thursday rolls on. Stay with us. As we do continue on, it is time to go to good old Rocky Top. Yes, Dan Mullen was talking about this week that the song would be resonating through his head for the Gators traveling to Knoxville. It always resonates through my head. I am from the great state of Tennessee. And it is my pleasure to bring on uh, a Tampa brother from another mother, as I always like to say, Vince Ferrara, who's a Tampa guy but has been in that Knoxville market for a while. Vince will tell you how long here in a minute. He has been through a lot of... Uh, turmoil and change at Tennessee. Now Jeremy Pruitt is there as the new head coach of the Volunteers. Oh, look, the Gators come calling for the matchup this weekend, and who better to help me preview it than Vince Ferraro with the Sports Animal, the radio station uh, there in Knoxville. Love me some Vince Ferraro. How you feeling on Florida, <laughs> Tennessee week? Love is back. Boy, life is uh, is good for TJ Reeves covering the 2 and 0 undefeated Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> and college football in full effect. Everything's great, but appreciate you having me on TJ. Yeah, and 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 love is in the air in Knoxville. They're loving a couple of wins. Now, granted it's East Tennessee State and UTEP off the early season loss. No shame in the loss to West Virginia. They're good on the neutral field. I guess let's start with this. We're three games into Jeremy Pruitt's tenure off an awful season that got Butch Jones fired. What do you see out of the Volunteers right now uh, at this point, early sample? Well, they're about where I expected them to be. They've won and lost the games I expected them to. I thought they would lose to West Virginia. I didn't think that was a great matchup for them, especially in Pruitt's first game. And then obviously easy competition the last two weeks. It's hard to gauge a ton out of it. So I've seen inconsistencies. You've seen some flashes here and there. You've seen some breakdowns. It's to be expected. And to me, they are more, they're a more competitive team. I think they're a better coach team, but the results really aren't any different than I expected. I think Jerry Garantano, Tennessee's quarterback, has looked better than he did a year ago. He's improved. Uh, I think Tennessee has shown that four different guys can contribute at running back. They finally got Juwan Jennings back in the mix at wide receiver. They have a pretty decent core of wide receivers. And really, Tennessee's struggles have been at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football, and that's also what we expected. The unknown is what this coaching staff can do once the schedule gets tougher, and it certainly starts this Saturday at Neyland Stadium. Oh, no question about that. Um, all right, so this this used to be the rivalry. When you and I were knocking around in the in the 90s, in the early 2000s, in and around Tampa and following SEC football, the, the Tennessee-Florida game, and Peyton Manning was involved in a lot of those, but, I mean, Spurrier's the coach on the other side with Shane Matthews and Danny Warfel, and I know I'm going way back, and then we progressed to Urban Meyer and Tebow, and Tennessee's got Fulmer, and Tennessee's then got Derek Dooley, and then went bad with Butch Jones. But in any event, from I think I saw this, from 1990 to 2007, all 18 of those years, both of the teams were ranked. 
I believe I have this correct. In 11 of those years, both of the teams were in the top 10 when they would play this game in September. This will be the third time in the last five years neither one of them are ranked. Is some of the luster just gone from this game? Do Vol fans still care with the same venom, the same fervor about Florida coming in there? You said Vols fans, and the answer to that is absolutely and I think it, it's, it, to take a line from the SEC, it just means more for Tennessee, maybe even more so from Florida. Florida's had success. Tennessee snapped the streak of 11 straight Florida wins in 2016. Florida won again last year in heartbreak fashion. So that's still one win in the last 13 games for Tennessee against Florida. Florida has other rivals in addition to Tennessee. Tennessee has other rivals as well, but this is the one that has the most venom, the most vitriol, <laughs> is this game. So it absolutely, for Vols fans, it, it means the most for them. It is their most wanted game on the schedule. You go, you know how it is. The older generation, they they the game that they want the most is Alabama, but for a larger percentage of the fan base, it is Florida nationally, that's where this game has taken a hit in its luster, in the attention that it gets, because it used to be a national game. We talked to Dominic Wood Anderson, who's a first-year JUCO tight end, who's from California, and he played at Arizona Western College, first year at Tennessee. We talked to him yesterday, and he said he grew up as a USC fan and as a Florida fan. And that just shows you that there are people from all around the country that used to pay attention to this game. This is the game that determined the East almost every year. And that's no longer the case, especially because in recent years, neither one of them are even in the mix. Oh, especially Tennessee has not been in the mix. Florida has won it a couple of years under McIlwain. But it doesn't guarantee anything anymore until those programs get back to that spot. It just takes it nationally, not locally, especially with Tennessee fans. Sure. Vince Ferrara is with me here on Three Dog Thursday. Tennessee is the underdog against Florida at home. Attractive for this weekend in an SEC showdown. And you mentioned the SEC the last couple of years has almost become like Georgia and the rest of the East is the JV. Is everybody else (laughs) battling? And Tennessee, I know, plays Georgia next week. And Florida plays Georgia later in the year. So... Uh, it's just it's an interesting dynamic that for these two they are right now second string or third string whoever it is behind what the Georgia Bulldogs have become and I know in Knoxville you're not far from where they are in Athens but it, it seems like all everybody talks about is Georgia and look they look good and and Florida Tennessee and the rivalry is almost forgotten for that reason too yeah and that also has been a mismatch look Tennessee has a losing record has a losing streak against every single team in the SEC. Mm. Think about mm. that. Mm. Winless last year, also they, they have a losing streak against everybody they normally play, and then everybody else from the West that's, that rotates in and out, they've got a losing streak against them, including, of course, Alabama, where they play every year also. Um, it's a bad look. So it's this is going to take some time to wipe off a lot of those really bad numbers. Tennessee isn't that far from Athens geographically. They are behind Georgia in terms of where the program is. Now, the blueprint of what Jeremy Pruitt wants to do 
is similar to what Kirby Smart has done at Georgia. That's the hope. First year, okay, you inherit some talent, but you got to change the mindset, the the way of doing things, strength and conditioning, schemes, all those things. It takes a year, so you have a little uh, rough waters of the first year, and then the second year you pay off because you had a lot of talent and you're on the go, and everybody gets it. I think that's the case this year with Jeremy Pruitt, at least in the first year. It's going to be, you're, you gotta, you're, you're inheriting Butch Jones players, and as much as people around here criticize Butch Jones, it's amazing how they think that Jeremy Pruitt can wave the wand and suddenly make these guys <laughs> what their recruiting rankings were. Uh, because a lot of those guys have not lived up to it to this well, point. Well, so let me give you the, sure. Let yeah. me give you the cross example of exactly that point. Look at what Willie Taggart is going through at Florida State, in particular with the offensive line. It's right. similar. It's not the same thing. But you cannot just wave a magic wand and make subpar offensive linemen who are not as athletic to be able to run the offense they want to run into something that they're not. And so I wonder how how much of that exists on the Tennessee. A roster where they are trying to almost use smoke and mirrors where they're deficient in some areas. Is there a lot of that or no? I think there is some of that. And the biggest thing is the offensive line and where they have been, they've done a lot of zone blocking. They've been a real passive. They, this coaching staff wants them to fire off ball, the ball. They do gap scheme stuff. They'll pull the guards uh, with double teams, power runs. They'll use a fullback and a quarterback under center. Mind-blowing that that still exists in college football these days. <laughs> and and these Tennessee fans, they want, they love the power football that Tennessee used to have. So they hated it at the goal line, quarterback in the gun, and they're you know they're botching things at the at the one yard line like they did last year under Butch Jones. So they do a lot more of the traditional power stuff now, and that takes time to change the the mentality of those offensive linemen. Plus, the strength and conditioning needs to be different for those kind of schemes. So it just takes time. Look, you mentioned Florida State and Willie Taggart as an example. Tennessee, even though they don't have a ton of elite high prospects at on the offensive line, they've got more than Florida State. They've got a five-star in Trey Smith who plays like a five-star. And they've got a couple of other four-stars that haven't either stayed healthy or lived up to the potential. But they have more talent on paper on the offensive line than what Willie Taggart inherited there at Florida State. And there's more examples than that. Look at Chip Kelly in UCLA. Oil and water in what they mm. had to what he's trying to do. Chad Morris at Arkansas. Oh. Power stuff with Brett oh. Bielema. Oh. Now they're trying to do spread with Chad Morris, and that's a mess. So, yeah, you, you, have, you cannot just expect – well, we'll be better coached or we're going to get better results. It definitely takes time. Great points by Vince Ferrara again with the Sports Animal, the radio station, the over-the-air radio station in Knoxville, Tennessee. You can follow Vince at Vince Sports, simple enough, on Twitter. A couple more moments with him here as part of Three Dog Thursday with those underdogs. The Vols are an underdog to Florida. Give me some great insight. I know when Alabama comes in, that is the rivalry. It's at a totally different level there. Uh, what is a week like playing Florida around town, around Vol fans, and what is Neyland Stadium like for this kind of game, 100,000-plus? Tell the fans everywhere that are hearing us about that. All right, I'll give you a, a nice little nugget. Went to lunch at a seafood market down the street from our radio station. Uh, it's called the Shrimp Dot. And free plug, I love it. Free, free plug, I love it. Get some free shrimp. Yeah. Go. 
and uh, and it, it's it's fantastic. So I went in there, and the whole time I was in there, about ten fifteen minutes, they were constantly taking calls for gator meat. <laughs> Do you guys have gator meat? Here's my order. It was nonstop, and this was lunchtime, late lunch. They told me that they at that store alone expect to sell five hundred to a thousand pounds of gator meat this week alone. <laughs> then they told me that at their three locations combined, they'll sell 2000 pounds at their three stores. That just shows you when in a typical, in a typical week, they might sell 50 or 25 or 10 pounds of gator meat, something like very that. Little. Spec- yeah, yeah. Very little carry it, but not anything like that. Wow. And I bet you that a lot of people don't even like the taste of it, but it's, but it, what it, this it's week going means. to be on the hibachi and on the mini grills <laughs> and whatever outside of Neyland Stadium. You're going to be smelling gators starting at about 9 a.m. is what you're saying on Saturday? Absolutely. And then all the tailgates and I bet a lot of dinners and cookouts even leading up to it. So that's one thing. And two, when Neyland Stadium is rocking, it is as loud a venue as you will find in the country. And I think Tennessee fans will be ready to be full throat at key moments to affect Felipe Franks. If Tennessee's in there, if it's a close game and Florida's driving and the the game is in the balance and Tennessee fans can help, they're as good as it gets in college football. That is loud as I've heard it. Tennessee and Alabama are right there one two in venues that I've ever been to in college outside of maybe the SEC championship game and how loud it is. So that will be a factor for Franks and Florida. That that venue is terrific when they're dialed in and things are going well. And it will be under the lights Saturday night too. A lot of times this one has been earlier in the day. This one will be under the lights mm-hmm. so they'll get good and lathered up outside of the <laughs> Neyland Stadium for this one. Listen, it's always a treat to talk with you. Let's see how back Tennessee really is with Pruitt and you've done a good job qualifying he may not have the players yet for this season or next season to get back you're going to have to build it over a year or two and florida has kind of struggled to find its identity a little bit under dan mullen and they're on the road so it's going to be a fascinating game vince i always love the insight from you enjoy tennessee and florida this weekend thank you for sharing some with us by the way i have to digress did you get a little gator meat or did you abstain for this week being a florida guy did you partake a little bit at the seafood place or no <laughs> i'm i'm a usf guy being a florida guy yeah. so we'll put it that way but no i abstained I, i'm not a gator meat stuff I, <laughs> I i just had i just had some uh what's called trigger fish instead so i wanted a totally different direction <laughs> one last thing on on tennessee florida i think tennessee's bull hopes hinge on this game i think it's that important Wow, how about that? And they got Georgia next week as well. Got to get some wins and pile them up. Vince, thank you. I I appreciate it as always. Follow him at Vince Sports. Hear him on the Sports Animal as part of the coverage on the Vol Network as well in and around Tennessee sports. Uh, A treat for me to have you on in in Tennessee, Florida week. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. You're the best. Thanks, TJ. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Oh yeah, we do roll along on Three Dog Thursday. Another guest coming up momentarily. Kevin Rogers back with some underdog picks from VegasInsider.com. A little bit later on in the show, want to tell you about our friends at Vivid Seats. Have you been looking into where to go 
Get tickets for all of these games this weekend. We're already making mention of that Alabama matchup with Texas A&M, or whether you're talking about uh, pro football like the game with the Patriots and the Lions or Seattle's home opener with the Cowboys, on and on down the list. Go to our friends at VividSeats.com and their mobile app. Vivid Seats offers great prices, easy purchasing experience. So everybody get involved with Vivid Seats and you've got a chance to get 10% off of your first purchase with Vivid Seats through the app or online with the promo code 3DOG. That's the number three and D-O-G for 3DOG Thursday. This is for new customers only. They're just signing up. The offer remains good through August. All your Vivid Seats are confirmed orders backed by a 100% guarantee. So again, if you think it's a tough ticket, we were joking in that last segment, it may be a tough ticket in Knoxville for Tennessee and them Florida Gators, them fighting Gators, VividSeats.com or the Vivid Seats app has got your tickets. So again, cheer on your underdogs as part of Three Dog Thursday by going to VividSeats.com, download the app, use the promo code 3DOG at checkout, take the 10% off. That's the number 3 DOG, the offer good at the end of August, and it's for new customers only. We want to specify that. Vivid Seats gets you into all your favorite live events, the NFL college football concert shows it's vivid seats with that out of the way without further delay i'm rhyming all the time and i'm bringing on on three dog thursday from cbs sports radio you hear him on friday nights into saturday morning saturday nights into sunday morning the overnight guy is zach gelb my philadelphia dude is with me here uh zach welcome to three dog thursday good to have you i'm ready to talk some pro football how are you feeling TJ, I'm doing great. Always good to be on with the top dog and TJ Reed. <laughs> As part of Three Dog Thursday. Now, look, I know you're based in Philadelphia, but you're more of a Patriots guy. Uh, just give me an idea, because you know I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer guy. We've been around each other. We've broken bread. We've had fun uh, talking about on the air on each other's shows. Uh, the Eagles took it on the chin from the Buccaneers, and they're going to Carson Wentz. We're going to talk more about that game in the uh, in the in the latter segment as well. But uh, the Eagles smarting after what Ryan Fitzpatrick Fitzmagic did last week. How shocked were you at what the Buccaneers have have looked like here for the first couple of games? I think it's the greatest story through the first two weeks of the NFL. What the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing. I know Mahomes and the Chiefs are a special story, but. You could have seen that one coming. This one with Tampa Bay, with the Winston suspension, uh, Fitzpatrick, who I, I didn't think was going to play even close to this, to see what he's doing right now, it's unbelievable. And through the first two games, they're 2-0. I thought this team, with the schedule that they had through the first three, uh, were destined to be one of those 0-3 bottom feeder teams. But uh, this is an Eagles team that uh, I thought they were going to win the game. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout, but I thought they were going to win the game by like 10 points or so. Uh, but the Buccaneers sent the message early with the former Eagle and Deshaun Jackson, and they were just the better team. Eagles a little bit banged up. Uh, not that healthy at wide receiver and running back, but you mentioned it. They get back Carson Wentz. So uh, not a lot of concern for me uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, just because I also do radio in New York uh, as well for the fan. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the Giants and, and Jets last night. And uh, if you take a look uh, at that division in the NFC East, the Giants, uh, their offensive line's a mess right now. I don't trust the Cowboys. Even though the Redskins, you know, got off to a nice start, I don't trust them either. So I think all is well in Eagles land where they'll be able to repeat as division champs. The question just is, in a very loaded NFC, how much better 
and how much further can they go and what can they do coming off the Super Bowl win uh, last year. Yeah, and I could be perceived as being biased here about Ryan Fitzpatrick working on the game broadcast, but I, you said it first. It's a remarkable story. 35 years old, 14-year veteran. This is why we love sports. It's the ultimate reality show. There is no script. And who had Ryan Fitzpatrick looking like Marino, like Breeze, like Manning? It's incredible what he's done, even if it may be short-lived here. Hopefully it's not, for my sake, but it's, it's been amazing, Zach. Yeah, and I'll tell you, my producer, we do a little game called Onsides, Offsides. It's uh, five questions, and... Uh, leading into the game last week, my producer said, will Winston be back for week four under center? And at first I said, yeah, of course, he's going to be back because I just didn't even think after week one Fitzpatrick was going to be able to replicate it. And now you start to get into that game, and I eventually think Winston will uh, eventually get the starting role back because you know you still try to wonder how much longer can they replicate this. But until Fitzpatrick throws a stinker, maybe even two stinkers in a row, just the way the chemistry is, uh, with that team, and you see what he does after the game, having fun, uh, an older quarterback, uh, mixing it up, putting on uh, the Jersey Shore uh, U- uh, UFC Conor McGregor type of outfit. Uh, it was unbelievable to see. So uh, right now, if I'm the Bucks, you go with the hot hand, and yes, the big story is Jameis and uh, how he's going to mature and how they're going to be able to, to get him going back in the right direction as he is the future of your franchise, or you'll wait and see it this year, and and maybe the year after that to see if he's going to be the guy that you're going to commit to long-term. Uh, but right now, and I can't believe I'm saying this still, it's Fitz magic time in Tampa, and I absolutely love the story. Yeah, it's a great story, and it's Monday Night Football with the Steelers. So again, we'll see how that plays out for Monday. Now, I know you're a big Patriots guy. You're, I mean, you make no bones about that when you're doing your shows. And the Jaguars... Uh, look, they were impressive beginning to end. Blake Bortles, fantastic against New England last week. Uh, there is a lot of buzz in North Florida, and there should be with the way this team looked again uh, on Sunday coming off a playoff season a year ago. I know it's early for 2018, but there was no Leonard Fournette in that game, Zach Gelb, and they still won convincingly. And I know you're not thrilled to talk it up because you're a Patriot guy, but still, let's give some props to Jacksonville, do we not? No question. Props to Jacksonville. And even though I'm a Patriot fan, I've been a Patriot fan my entire life, and I thought they were going to win the game. I'm never afraid to pick against them. I did so uh, in the Super Bowl this past year up against the Eagles. The Patriots, though, if you look at their history, even though they've had so much success, they've been some slow starting games. I remember uh, in 2003, they got spanked 31 nothing by the Buffalo Bills when it was the Drew Bledsoe-Lawyer-Malloy game. I had the Chiefs game last year. Uh, this has been a team where Wait a I'm going to do the impression. The Are you ready? Start. Are you ready? We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on yeah. to. I mean, that was the answer to every question after the Chiefs blowout. Exactly. I'm gonna, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, and and that's what it's been. So they're going to ignore the noise. They're going to be Brady and Belichick. I know there's a whole new article out today about the book and all of that. Uh, let's be clear. It's not all. Uh, going great in Patriots land with that relationship. But Belichick and Brady, whether they want to admit it or not, they're at their best. Both of them are coaching and quarterbacking on the field together. Uh, this Patriot team's still going to win 11 games, I would have to say, and they'll still be in play for a bye. But Jacksonville's defense, we all know it's been impressive, but Blake Bortles is what stood out to me the most uh, in week number two up against the Pats. And week number one, the Pats got a very good pass rush up against the Texans and Deshaun Watson but they weren't able to replicate that 
in game number two once Trey Flowers went out of the game. So not a major concern for the Patriots, but the Jaguars, that's the defense. That's the way that you get after and beat Tom Brady, whether you're the Ravens, the Giants, whoever it's been, uh, the Jets uh, in history that have beaten the Patriots in the playoffs. You get after the quarterback, and then your quarterback can't turn over the football, and he did turn over the football. The one mistake he made uh, was the interception, but then Brady fumbled it. If the Pats get a field goal or a touchdown off that drive and Brady doesn't fumble, I think we may have a little bit of a similar result as the AFC Championship game last year. But all the credit to the Jaguars, Marone, Coughlin, no Fournette. It was a heck of a job, and that's a team that, yes, people are skeptical still about because they don't trust Bortles in a big spot, but they should have Super Bowl expectations, and they have a Super Bowl mentality, and we'll see if they can get there. This guy's locked and loaded. He's Zach Gelb. Following me on Twitter at Zach Gelb. i got another moment or two with you. So we've covered a couple of the teams that are 2-0. You mentioned Mahomes and the Chiefs are 2-0. and Hey, the Bengals are 2-0. and The two L.A. teams are playing each other this week at 2-0. and Who else stands out at 2-0 and besides the ones we've talked about already? Go. Yeah, the Rams have been so impressive, but we knew that going in. Uh, but let's spend a minute or two on the Chiefs, and I know you, you've touched on them. The Chiefs with me, Mahomes, Kareem, uh, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, they have so many options and so many weapons, and Mahomes has been – uh, to me, the MVP of the league so far, even though Fitzpatrick's been the best story. The concerns I have with the Chiefs, though, defense, and then the ultimate concern is Andy Reid in the postseason. Because Andy <laughs> Reid in the postseason is Tony Dungy without the Super Bowl ring. And how many times have we seen Andy Reid last year up against Tennessee with Mariota, and they can't close it out? They don't run the football uh, even after Kelsey goes out of the game. Uh, a few years ago when the Colts had that improbable comeback, the biggest problem for the Chiefs, and I think he's a very, 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 very good coach, but it's Andy Reid, and until he wins the Super Bowl, I will not call him a great coach. Once again, very, very good, but he continues to make the same blunders year in and year out. Another team uh, that is impressive are the Cincinnati Bengals. Once again, not going to put all my shekels in on the Cincinnati Bengals, but every year we get into this conversation, how does Marvin Lewis, uh, and I always leave this, how does Marvin Lewis still have a job? Uh, he's done a lot of good in Cincinnati, but he's never won a freaking playoff game. So uh, you look at the Bengals to start off 2-0 and in that division. Steelers struggling 0-1-1, AB not showing up. The Browns 0-1-1, which is actually a good start for them. And then you got the Ravens at 1-1. If the Bengals just continue to stick the course, Get the ball to A.J. Green. They have a good defense. Atkins looks as good as ever. And Dalton doesn't turn over the football. Maybe that's a team like the Bengals and not a very uh, strong AFC that could maybe surprise some people and find a way to get into the playoffs. I love, we'll see on them. I love it on Zach Gill because I'm around him. I have a meal with him. And he's like, you know, you should really try the pasta here. It's really good. And then you get him on this show and he's got the New York thing. I'm leading the freaking charge against this guy right here. So... Uh, I love this about you. Uh, if I said to you, because it's Three Dog Thursday here on the podcast, give me an underdog. Give me an underdog you like this week on, on the NFL slate. Does one stand out? I'm curious. Go. Well, my picks have been absolutely terrible through the first two weeks. I've been money on the college. <laughs> uh, but the NFL, I think I'm like one in five. I look at these games and I'm like, oh, my God, this game, the Bucks and the Eagles, the Eagles lay at three. It should be easy. Ain't wrong on that. Uh, a game that I'll look at, is the Jets in Cleveland. Cleveland's laying three. I think right now the Browns are a better team, but the Browns don't know how to win. And, and I know that they found a way to change their kicker this week, and I know they played two really good teams, and they're more talented than the Jets. 
But I just like something about Sam Darnold right now where I can see the Jets um, finding a way to win that game. So I like him plus the three. Another game I'll take a look at, and this one I'll tell you, I should have zero confidence in this team because their offensive line is like a turnstile in Penn Station. It's the New York football Giants. But the Giants and the Texans, six points is the line there. That's a big number for a Houston team that can't block either and a quarterback that's been struggling who I like uh, through the first two games that had a terrible blunder at the end of the game last week. Uh, maybe you want to go the Giants. That line's up to seven. That's the line I'm looking at right now. Maybe you want to yep. bless them. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but that's a possibility. And I'll throw one more for you so I can go 0 for 3 in these <laughs> predictions. And then you can laugh at me and never have me on again. Uh, the Oakland Raiders, for some reason, I can't stand them. John Gruden was an idiot for trading Khalil Mack. But I don't think Miami is that good as advertised. It's a 1 p.m. game for the Raiders in Miami. So that's a little bit tricky on West Coast to East Coast. But a three-point favorite, I could see Miami having a stinker after the big win uh, last week where they made a little statement up against the Jets. How about that? He's going with the Gruden. We're going to talk more about Gruden in our final segment and about could they be 0-3? I mean, talk about come out of the booth and have the, have the honeymoon and everybody loves you and you start the year 0-3 and, right now, and now they have the, the torches and the pitchforks on your doorstep, if that's the case. Uh, we'll see if that's the case. Again, you hear this guy on CBS Sports Radio overnights, Friday night and Saturday night as well on WFAN. He is Zach Gelb with me. Follow him on Twitter at Zach Gelb as well. Young man, keep up the great work. Thank you for uh, coming on here on Three Dog Thursday, imparting some wisdom. I love the self-deprecation about the picks, keep, keeping it real, and uh, and, and also uh, poking fun at yourself. You'll last a lot longer doing that because we're often more wrong than we are right. That's for sure. Listen, great stuff. Great insight on the NFL. We will have you back on at some point to help break it all down. Thank you for popping on here for an early season show of Three Dog Thursday, Zach. Yeah, no problem. And real quickly before I run, TJ, you know, as a young person in this business, I meet a lot of people. And some people, they'll be like jerks. They don't really want to take the time to talk to people. The way that you've been able to conduct yourself as a professional will spark some wisdom on me, shall we say. And we've had a few dinners and some good conversations. Always be appreciative about that. So thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Back in with another opportunity here to talk with Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, Vegas insider. Time to talk some pro football for Three Dog Thursday. Each of us have already made a couple of college underdog picks. We've got NFL underdogs coming in a few moments. Hey, one thing that I want to pick up on uh, talking more NFL football here is some coaches maybe that are on the hot seat. I mean, sure, my Buccaneers off to a great start, 2-0. and Jaguars looked great against the Patriots last week. They're 2-0. and uh, Great job by uh, Andy Reid plugging in Patrick. Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City is now 2-0. But there are some teams. I mean, Gruden and the Raiders find a way to snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory, blowing the lead last week at Denver. Denver beats them. They're 0-2. Now they get to come all the way cross-country to play the Dolphins. Uh, let's just stop right there for a moment. Uh, the Raiders, I mean, is I know he's got a 10-year deal. It's, you know, the black hole in the whole thing, but an 0-3 start would sour a lot of people on this 2018 season already on the Raiders. What a, what about this for Gruden and the start to the year real quick, Kevin? Yeah, it's pretty bad. You know, it's one thing to lose to the Rams in week one where they were in a home underdog and, you know, they lost. So that's fine, but for them to blow that game against the Broncos where you can be 1-0 in the division already get one road win in the AFC West and you lose the way you did. And, yeah, I mean, unfortunately the way our society works is 
you know, if John Gruden was making two million a year, you wouldn't really, you know, rip him that much. He's getting a hundred million. They're moving to Vegas. Pretty much, he's set for this team when they move in a few years. And he's blaming everyone. He's not taking blame for the Khalil Mack trade. Like, he, he looks bad. He definitely looks bad. Where this team a few years ago, you know, was on the precipice of being, uh, you know, a top seed in the AFC before Derek Carr got hurt. So, you know, it really does look bad right now, and they need to get it turned around quick. Well, and again, Pat Shermer is the new Giants coach, and that Sunday night game, Eli Manning was like a pinata. I mean, you talk about Florida State not being able to block, as we did earlier in the show. The Giants weren't able to block for Eli. They were beaten badly. They're 0-2. They're playing in Houston, so there's another one where maybe they're already souring on that hire. And I wonder here, because I know this, you and I are staying away from this game, but one of the Sunday late games is the Cowboys in Seattle, and Seattle looked in disarray for much of that Monday night game with Chicago. Now, I know it's their home home opener but if the Cowboys beat the Seahawks and Pete Carroll and company is 0-3 I know he won a Super Bowl there but they have dismantled the roster they they fired both coordinators offensive and defensive coordinator and 0-3 start for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and there may be some people looking at Pete Carroll you buy that Kevin I mean you, you do have to look at it a little bit just because you know you had all these guys on defense and you got rid of them. I mean, Earl Thomas, they've worked it out before the season. He's still there. But what I just don't understand is in week one that I'm not going to call Denver, you know, a world beater, but, you know, Seattle played well enough. They went back and forth, but the offense just looked, they, they, they looked dismal on Monday night against Chicago and even Russell Wilson still had the chance late and they had the pick six that he threw. But it, it felt like every single time they were forked down and deep in their own territory, they could do nothing offensively. And, it is funny how this NFC West is now turned upside down, where a few years ago it was Seattle and Arizona were the top teams, the Rams and Niners were the dogs, and now the Rams are turning into a borderline elite team in the NFC. San Francisco is much improved, Arizona's terrible, and Seattle is bordering on that too. Well, and they can't run the ball, and, and we mentioned no, uh, I mean, Cam Chancellor having to retire with a neck injury, Michael Bennett gone off the defensive line, Richard Sherman gone out of that secondary uh, they're trying to find some answers right now are the Seahawks, and they've got that matchup with the Cowboys. Okay, so that kind of sets the table for the NFL weekend. Again, the disclaimer, you may be listening to us, and you already know some things that happen, whether it's Thursday night football with the Jets and the Browns or obviously the college games on Saturday. You may know something about injuries, etc. We're doing this show in advance of the Sunday NFL game. So, Kevin, you've looked things over. Uh, I don't know what underdog jumps out for you. You're about to tell me, so which way do you want to go? go for a pro football underdog for this week well for the third straight week i'm taking a game involving the san francisco 49ers in week (laughs) one i had them against the vikings they should have won that game and they didn't even cover uh then last week i took the lions the niners should have won that game and well they did win the game they should have covered but detroit had a late touchdown they had a late interception wiped off the board because of a defensive holding so now this week they're going to kansas city and the joe montana bowl to play the chiefs and, you know, I understand that, that what Pat Mahomes has done, and he's been great for the Chiefs, and they're coming off two excellent road wins. And the Steelers are a mess right now, but still, they were 21 nothing in that game, the Chiefs, and the Steelers came back to tie it. But the Chiefs won, and they, they beat the Chargers the week before. Now they come home, they're a favorite. They were a dog the last two weeks. Now all of a sudden, the roles are flipped, and you're nearly a touchdown favorite. And San Francisco, even though Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been great, you know, he's been all right, and we're still waiting to see him bust out. That, you know, this is a Niners team that's going to be competitive. And 
you know, Kansas City has played two close games so far. They've given up a lot of yards in both those games. I just think that the 49ers here, that they can hang, if not even win this game, just because it is the NFL and people are so high on Kansas City for what they've done that maybe they do take a step back this week. And in the case of Mahomes, six touchdown passes last week, 10 of them in the first two weeks is a record. It's an NFL record, and it's obviously a record for a rookie. Ten TD passes in the first two games of the season. We'll see if he is able to keep that up. And again, an AFC West, you were talking about the NFC West kind of being upside down. Well, it used to be that in the in the AFC West, it, you know, the Raiders were all, were always uh, the talk and seemingly looking good, and then they've struggled now the last couple of seasons, and now it's the Chiefs maybe as the team to be. They were the last of the unbeatens a year ago. We'll see if that continues for San, for uh, Kansas City as they have that game with San Francisco. For my underdog for this week, I saw this team at field level week one, and Drew Brees still looks like a Hall of Fame quarterback to me. I know they gave up a ton of points to my Buccaneers, uh, who, who ended up winning the game, made for a happy postgame show for me. Love that. Uh, New Orleans traveling to Atlanta and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Falcons off the win last week uh, at home over Carolina. So they get back-to-back division games at home at the very beginning of the season. Schedule maker gives them an advantage. I, I like Camara to run the ball. I know Atlanta's red zone offense was much better last week. It's been much maligned, but they scored four red zone touchdowns or actually scored all four times in the red zone last week. Three touchdowns and a field goal. I think New Orleans may have something here and pull the outright upset. They've always played the Falcons tough, even in Atlanta. No Devontae Freeman. He's already ruled out again in this game uh, with the leg injury. I like the Saints here with the three points in in that instance for Three Dog Thursday. So I will take them to try to round out my card uh, for this week. Everything is hunky-dory for the moment for uh, for Matt Ryan and company because they were able to get the win last week at home. Any other thoughts on the NFL? Anything else intrigue you? Patriots against Matt Patricia and the Lions on Sunday night football. Steelers. Buccaneers know that the Steelers are going to give them their best shot on Monday night because the Steelers don't want to be 0-2-1. That's going to be a wild Monday night game with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback for the Buccaneers being on the roll at the beginning of the year. Any other NFL thoughts as we get ready to head to the weekend, Kevin? Well, Chargers-Rams should be a really good game, the Battle of L.A., that those two teams uh, both have had high expectations. We'll see what they do. And Carson Wentz returns this week, you know, and, and I really wonder, it's like we talked about last week, because the Eagles lost that game to the Buccaneers, that, you know, are they hitting the panic button? They're trying to rush him back. And I don't know, maybe he is ready. Maybe he was ready, and they just didn't want to pull the plug on Nick Foles yet. But, you know, is it like, okay, we need to kind of get this going. But at the same time, and I understand in the NFC, there's a lot of competition, but the Giants are bad. The Redskins beat a terrible Cardinals team, and they were humbled by the Colts last week. Dallas beat the Giants, and they looked bad against Carolina. The Eagles are still the class of their division. So I don't really know if they're hitting the panic button, thinking that the other teams are going to catch up to them. I don't know. I just look at the Eagles as a team that you better hope that you don't like ruin this guy after this knee injury. Well, they've medically cleared him. We'll see how Wentz does in that game. Again, Foles was solid. I was right there at field level. It was blazing hot. The Buccaneer defensive line was pressuring him. He did have a turnover uh, in the game, uh, but did also rally the Eagles after they were down 27-7. We'll see how Philadelphia does as they play the Colts. After the Colts beat the uh, the Redskins, they stay in the NFC East to play the Eagles for this week. We'll see how that game goes. Kevin, I know there's great information uh, out there for everybody with VegasInsider.com. Tell the fans more about all the information that you guys have for college pro and other sports as well 
Yeah, it's a really good time of year with uh, baseball heading towards the postseason. NHL starts in a few weeks. NBA starts in a month. Mm. So we have all of that going on besides the football. And obviously college football now we're, we're almost getting into every team playing uh, conference action. And you have a lot of good conference games this weekend. We have our Big Ten report. We have also our other conference reports looking at the ACC, the Pac-12, the SEC, Big 12, and obviously the NFL with uh, the games all throughout the weekend and just a lot uh, a lot to digest but all the information is there if you want to win check us out vegasinsider.com also go to twitter check us out at twitbi again vegasinsider.com for all that info and again follow him at vi rogers follow this show at three dog thursday i always love the insight of kevin rogers uh, here coming on with me. Good luck with your underdogs, Louisiana Tech, Kansas State, and the 49ers in the NFL slate. I'll go Oregon, Georgia Tech, and the New Orleans Saints for this week. Hopefully we have another good week with at least two winners, if not three of them, as part of Three Dog Thursday. My thanks also to our guest, Vince Ferrara, being with me from Knoxville to talk Tennessee and Florida, and that showdown on Saturday night in college football. Zach Gelb, CBS Sports Network overnight man. Love his insight on the NFL as well. Kevin, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck with the underdogs. All right, TJ, you too. Thank you. We thank all of you for being with us. Whether you found us through Radio Influence, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. It's the only digital show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a Rush the Field quick fix on Radio Influence. I don't know that I I see LSU differently because I kind of saw them as more talented than maybe the other people did. Um, now the people that thought they were again six and six, seven and five team think they can challenge Alabama and Georgia, and I don't see that. I think they was all, always in that eight and four, nine and three type range. So classic overreaction: the fact that yes. they bump up in the rankings and are now labeled as the number six team in the nation. Yes, it is an overreaction. But let me tell you my view on how I see the teams, and I even tweeted it out and, and, and put this on LandryFootball.com this week that. Look, and it's all I can do is evaluate the through three weeks, and, mm-hmm. and it's subject to change. But clearly to me, it's Alabama 1 and Georgia 2, and they're close. And there's a little drop-off, and 3 is Ohio State and 4 is Clemson in my view. And the, the reason for the separation between two and uh, 1 and 2 and, and 3 and 4 is that I think that Clemson and Ohio State – can on any given day beat any, you know beat an Alabama, beat a Georgia. They're talented enough to do so. Yeah. But what I see in Alabama and Georgia is a team that they're a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more play better complementary football, and they finish better. Rush the Field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.